Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening, downloading, and subscribing to the latest edition of the 12 Kyle podcast. I'm 12 Kyle. Check this out. (laughs) On this podcast, we're going to take a trip back down memory lane. We're going to visit Doggy Style, the debut album from Snoop Dogg. This album turns 25 years old this year. It's hard to believe, but on November 23rd, 1993, Snoop Dogg dropped this album. And to say that it was a game changer is a huge understatement. Um, I guess before we get into what the album was about, And everything that surrounded the album, because there was drama surrounding the album. Um, I want to take you back to the landscape of 1993, particularly November of 1993. Uh, It was a very special time in hip hop. Uh, Of course, in 1992, the end of 92, December of 92, Dr. Dre releases uh, The Chronic, right? So the chronic is killing it. It's tearing up the charts. It's hot on the streets. Uh, The West Coast is running hip hop. And right in the middle of that is Snoop Dogg. I mean, he makes his debut. uh, He actually made his debut on the deep cover soundtrack uh, with Dre and you know, the first the, the first song that he appears on, or at least the first video that he appeared in was the uh, none but a G thing. And of course, you see Snoop and he's very shy. He's not even looking at the camera and everything. And people, you know, were wondering who this guy was because he's on the deep cover song and then he's on nothing but a G thing. And then he's all over the chronic. And, you know, people were really, really anticipating this album. Uh, But that time in hip hop was really, really key because, again, like I said, the West Coast was winning. However, just two weeks prior to this album coming out on November 9th, the East Coast comes back. (laughs) A Tribe Called Quest drops Midnight Marauders and Wu-Tang drops Enter the Wu-Tang 36 Chambers. Those both both of those albums drop November 9th, 1993. So here comes Snoop two weeks later. And I remember this distinctly because Snoop's album was so highly anticipated. The album was actually supposed to be released in December. But they had to move it up because they were fearful of bootleggers. Now, some of you (laughs) new people, uh, newbies, some youngsters, uh, young Thundercats, you may not know what a bootlegger is. But back in the day, songs and albums were bootleg, meaning that they would be, you know, black marketed on the streets. So you didn't want the streets to get a hold to them because the streets got if they got leaked on the streets, you know, that was less sales for the artist. But um, just to give you that idea, hip hop at that particular time was extremely competitive. And so, again, you got the West Coast running hip hop. And then here comes the East is coming back. And then Snoop is about to drop this album. Now, what 
made one of the things that made this album so special was uh, what was happening around its release date. As I mentioned, it was supposed to be released in December. They had to move it up because they were fearful that it was going to be leaked. But the album was so anticipated that like people had to have it. Now, one thing that was key about that time in that era you got to keep in mind this wasn't there was no such thing as the internet right so you couldn't download the album you couldn't stream it you had to physically go purchase either a tape a cassette tape or a cd or the vinyl if you bought vinyl album so people wanted their hands on this album but you knew that with the anticipation of it, that if you didn't get that album the first week that it came out, there was a possibility the stores were going to run out. There weren't going to be enough copies. So I distinctly remember going to the record store. The album dropped midnight <laughs> of November 23rd, 1993. So we're all standing in line outside a record store at the mall. I was in Orangeburg, South Carolina uh, at South Carolina State University. Shout out to my school, my alma mater. And I remember being in line. I was like the 10th person in line. And like this was at like 1130, right? Store open at midnight. I mean, just I, I just want to give you this visual. Imagine a record store having no other stores in the mall open, but a record store having to open at midnight just because of the ante- anticipation of this album. By the time that I made my way in the store and bought the album, when I left the store, the line was out of the store, outside of the store, into the night, down the block. There were literally at least 100 people waiting on this album, waiting to purchase this album. And again, depending on where you bought it, there was a possibility that the album was going to get sold out because that happened a lot in the 90s. So you really, if it was something that was dope, you really wanted to get your hands on it. You did not want to be the one who did not have this album because like in in this particular case, in this record store where I went, if you didn't get it and let's say uh, they sold out, it might be a week. Maybe a week and a half before the album, you know, before they have more copies and you would have to keep calling or going up to the record store to get that album. That's just how highly anticipated it was. And it wasn't just in my town where where I went to school. This was everywhere across the country. This album in 1993 sold 806,000 copies in the first week alone. That's unprecedented particularly for a debut album. And again, this is Snoop Dogg. This ain't Michael Jackson. (laughs) This ain't Prince. This ain't, you know, Bruce Springsteen. Hip hop records didn't sell like this. First week sales didn't happen like this. This was tremendous. Even the chronic for as dope as it was, it didn't sell like this in the first week. That was just how highly anticipated and people wanted to get their hands on this album. The demand was crazy. So, again, the hype surrounding the album, you know, 
I there's only a couple of hip hop acts that I can remember that had that much hype going into a debut album. I would say Snoop's Doggy Style, 50 Cent's Get Rich or Die Trying, and Nas Illmatic, in no particular order. And I know 50's album sold extremely well. Illmatic didn't sell like that because, again, people really weren't buying an album, but it was hot on the streets, though. But those probably were the most anticipated hip-hop albums. But Doggy Style was different because, like I said, People just flock to the store. You couldn't, you couldn't keep this album on the shelves. Honestly, you just couldn't. And so, it was hot, and people wanted it. Another thing that surrounded the release of the album was three months before the album drops, Snoop gets arrested. Not only does he get arrested, but he's arrested on like attempted murder charges. Uh. Snoop was arrested for the attempted or murder. Well, this guy got murdered. Uh, this guy that was said to be in a rival gang, uh, Philip Waldemarian. Um, he was alleged to have been stalking Snoop. Snoop was driving his car and Snoop's bodyguard shot him and killed him. Uh, they claimed that it was self-defense. But again, this is three months before the album dropped. So everybody knows that this album is coming you have because the first single was who am i what's my name that was released october 30th so that was released a little more a little, a little less than a month before the album dropped and that was that was like a number one single so you got the number one single on the, on on the streets and you have uh one of the most anticipated hip-hop albums and you're in jail and you're looking at possibility of, at the possibility of, you know, not only being locked up for a long time, but not even being able to promote this album in the meantime, if you don't get out of jail. But he did. Um, and he subsequently spent most of 1995 preparing for the trial. Uh, he was subsequently acquitted in 1996. But, you know, you got this guy one of the hottest rappers in the world and he's rapping about this gangster shit and he's on trial for murder. You couldn't, well, you know, and I don't want to glorify it because someone died and, and, and I don't know, you know, if they ever found out who, you know, I don't know if anybody ever caught any charges behind it. I just know that Snoop uh, was acquitted. So I don't want to make light of someone dying, but that just, I mean, it was almost like it was scripted to some degree. Even though it wasn't, but you get my point. Um, so you had all of this stuff surrounding Snoop. Not only he's you know doing all of that, but he's coming out of the death row camp and he's rolling with Dr. Dre and Suge Knight and Dog Pound. And so you got all of these things in the mix. And then this album finally reaches our hands on November 23rd, 1993. And it is crazy it's a phenomenal album the album as i mentioned 806,000 copies sold in the first week uh i think it went on to sell like 7 million copies in the united states 11 million copies worldwide uh to say that this album you know broke records uh, i mean that's an understatement this album was incredible 
not only did it put, you know, another stamp for death row, but another stamp for the West Coast. And, you know, it helped birth the G-Funk era. Uh, G-Funk was a, a style that they had created out there. And the G-Funk, the production, and I'll get into that in just a few, but the production and then Snoop's ability to rhyme, uh, his style and his flow just, you know, it, it meshed very well together. So it was a perfect blend. It was a perfect blend and a perfect storm for Snoop. And again, this was something that everybody had. I mean, like you would be hard pressed at that particular time to find anybody who didn't have this album because everybody had it. <laughs> everybody had the album and everybody, especially every, like, I, again, I was on a college campus. Everybody on the campus was bumping it. You couldn't go any, you couldn't walk to class. You couldn't go walk through the dorms and not hear a song from Doggy Style. So I'll tell you what, let's take a quick commercial break. And on the other side of the break, uh, we'll break it down, man. I'll talk about the production and the tracks and tell you why this album is significant and what happened to Snoop Dogg after this album dropped. Sit tight. We'll be back in just a second. That was the Dog Pound here right on W Balls 187.4 on your FM dial. You're tuned into the biggest balls of them all, DJ Salt, T-Nuts. Hey, don't forget about my homeboy, Easy Dick, in the jack-off hour. That's happening at 12 o'clock tonight. Right now, we got some new Snoop Doggy Dog for that ass. This one is called The Shiznit. You're about to go downtown, bitch, right here on the station that plays only platinum hits. That's 187.4 on your FM dial. If you're licking, that's W Balls. And just like that, we are back. Once again, it's your boy, 12 Kyle, the 12 Kyle podcast, and we're talking about doggy style 25 years later. Before I get started, I got to give a big shout out and say rest in peace to Ricky Harris. Uh, you heard him right there on the interlude. Uh, DJ saw T nuts <laughs> from radio station W Balls. Uh, he was on quite a few of the uh, interludes and skits. On this album, not just on this album, but uh, the Dog Pound album as well. Um, very funny, brother. You remember him from the video, uh, Doggy Dog World. He was tat <laughs> Um, Yeah, man. He passed away a few years ago, man. Funny, funny guy. Uh, and like I said, he was all over some of the, the death row projects. So uh, lending his voice um, and his uh, impersonation. So. Uh, big shout out to him and rest in peace. Um, this album, again, like I said, very anticipated, but not only that, it it, it delivered. Uh, I, I think it goes without saying that everything that we were waiting on this album to be, it was and, and much more. Um, as far as the production, uh, Dr. Dre is credited with being the producer of this album. He produced almost all of the tracks. Now, if you look at the liner notes, um, Daz is credited on quite a few tracks as well. Uh, it has been long rumored that Daz did most of the production on the album and Dre just kind of came in and co-signed on it. I don't know how it went. Honestly, a lot of this sounds like Daz more so than it does Dre, 
Uh, but you know, I'm gonna roll with it. <laughs> uh, I'll say Dre and Daz. They the production on this album is perfect for Snoop. Um, you know, the G Funk sound actually fits Snoop very well. Wherein there were some tracks on the Chronic that was a little bit slower, and Snoop had to slow his style up a little bit. Uh, he didn't necessarily have to do this. Uh, you know, he has that you know kind of singing type you know flair to some of his rhymes uh and i thought it fit snoop well um the album starts off you know with the interlude and then the g-funk intro uh with the legendary george clinton dr dre and the lady of rage uh who actually kills it <laughs> when she gets on this track uh you know she was in the death row camp man shout out to rage um Again, that that track that's that that was a great start off to the album, uh, and then we roll into track three, um, which was Gin and Juice, um, featuring Daz. And I gotta say, you know, Gin and Juice is a it's a staple on this album, and everybody loved it, and the video was dope. But I think you know when when you look at the total landscape. It was back then, I can say that it was one of my favorite songs. As the time has gone on, it's not as big a favorite of mine as, and I guess probably because I've heard it a gazillion times, but it's a very nice, solid start to the album. Um, and then the aforementioned skit, W Balls, uh, with my man Ricky Harris. Um, and then that rolls into track five, The Shiznit. <sighs> man. <laughs> Now, Dre produced this one, and Snoop was just, I mean, he was flowing. He was flowing in this one. I, I love this song. Um, this song, I think I've grown, I've I've probably grown to have a deeper appreciation for as time has moved on a little bit. Um, and then you get the domino intro, uh, Cash just talking, sitting around playing dominoes, talking shit. <laughs> uh, then we go to track seven. Uh, Lottie Dottie Snoop actually covers Slick Rick's classic song Lottie Dottie now I'll say this there are quite a few people I don't want to say a few there's a good bit of people that didn't like the fact that Snoop covered Lottie Dottie Uh, one in particular my homeboy Eclectic shout out to E he can't stand Snoop for this (laughs) For this reason alone. Um, but I thought he did a great job, man. I mean, it was slow. They slowed it down. It, it, it had that gangster style. And, um, you know, I, I loved it. I still love it to this day. I still play it. Um, but it, it was some people that didn't like and I And I felt like, really, I thought it was a really good job for snoop to kind of give a nod to the not only the east coast but you know guys who paved the way and and snoop has said on numerous occasions that you know one of the guys that he looked up to in the rap game was slick rick so you know that was just you know in in my eyes it looked to me like he was paying homage to slick rick so i i have no beef with that at all then we go to track eight murder was the case featuring daz um this song was very powerful. Obviously, the, the song starts off uh, with a drive-by, uh, you know, <laughs> eerily starts off with a drive-by. Uh, 
this song was powerful because again um and i'm not even sure when it when it was recorded but you got a song called murder was the case and then you have snoop with a murder charge pending against him as the at the time of the album being released and um we all remember the iconic moment on the uh, MTV Music Awards when Snoop performed this song with a gospel choir in the background. And he ended the performance by saying that he was innocent. And then the lights dropped. And it was really, it was really cinematic and everything. And um, you know, that was before the trial actually happened. But um, Murder Was The Case, man, love that song. Love it. It still goes hard to this day. Uh, then we move into track nine, Serial Killer, uh, with DOC, RBX, and Dog Pound. Um, this one, whoo, man, this one is so hard. This track goes so hard. And this is one of the tracks where I think the Dog Pound actually kind of overshines, they, they kind of outshine Snoop a little bit on this track. And... You know, you could make a case that that happened and that happens in hip hop. I'm not you know, I'm not knocking Snoop for that. But I mean, like it was just you could tell at this particular time, cats like RBX, Dog Pound, Daz and Corrupt, Corrupt and Corrupt. I love listening to Corrupt Rhyme. Um, they were just hungry, man. I mean, like they were really trying to prove a point. Um, and so uh, I. I that 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 song is is so cold and it's still you know hard to this day then we move into track 10 who am i what's my name as i mentioned that was the lead single um of course you know you, you got the george clinton sample um had a video for it as well and uh you know typical snoop banger i mean it it, it bangs and it still bangs to this day and if you play it in the club people still are gonna move to it um then we go to track 11 for all my new and my bitches <laughs> uh, featuring uh, Dog Pound and Lady of Rage. Uh, this one corrupt kills everybody. <laughs> corrupt kills Snoop. He kills Daz. He kills Lady of Rage. I mean, like, it, it, I, I don't really know what to say. I love his verse on that. Um and one thing that, you know, is, is constant throughout this album, uh, you know, is bitches and hoes. You know, um, some people had a problem with Snoop and his misogynistic views and the way that he talked in the album. Uh, I've often said this is, you know, this album, you know, is not looking back on it you know 25 years later you know there's some rhymes and there's some things that said that you know people people just don't rhyme like that anymore i don't necessarily think that you gotta say you know that you gotta be referencing bitches and hoes in every every song but you know in 1993 that was pretty commonplace and so you know, back then we just kind of chalked it up. We didn't really, you know, we ain't really pay too much attention to it like that. So, uh, you know, and I don't think people really took that, at least from what I could tell, didn't take a lot of offense to it. But, um, you know, his content, I mean, outside of the fact that Snoop can rhyme, his content was going to be, you know, smoking weed, 
getting drunk, you know, messing with chicks. That was it. I mean, like he wasn't, you know, he he was no threat to rock him as far as content was concerned. But it was some hot, dope ass lyrics over some hot, dope ass beats. And that's what we wanted. And, uh, you know, people still loved it, man. And, and again, I think that content was probably more closer to what people were talking about in that particular era. Uh, again, 25 years later, I'm not offended by the music at all. Uh, and so I just kind of, you know, put it in the capsule in which it was. Um, track 12. Ain't no fun if the homies can't have none. Uh, <laughs> this song is one of the hardest, rawest, nastiest, crass, misogynistic songs in the history of hip hop. <laughs> and we loved it. <laughs> Uh, when you start off with Nate Dogg's verse, um, if you play it in a club, and I've seen it played in a club hundreds of times, if you play it in a club, the ladies will sing along and sing it word for word and not even care. You know, because they I guess they figure like, okay, he ain't talking about me. But um, yeah, it's very misogynistic. It's very crass. It's very crude, but it's so dope. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's still dope to this day. You're back now at the Jack Off Hour. This is DJ E Z Dick. On the balls right now, something new by Snoop Doggy Dog. And this one goes out to the ladies from all the guys. A big bow wow wow. Cause we gonna make it a little misty here tonight. This is DJ Easy Dick on the station that slaps you across your fat ass with a fat dick. When I met you last night, baby, before you opened up your gap, I had a respect for your lady, but now I take it all back, cause you gave me all your pussy. Of course, Nate Dog, rest in peace. Um, Warren G and Corrupt, uh, man, that song, that song, that 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 is a classic West Coast song. That is a that might be the staple of this album. Um, and you know what's always interesting to me is when I hear radio stations trying to you you really can't play this song on the radio. You shouldn't. Uh, 
But I mean, hell, if you play it, you got to beep out damn near all of the song. Um, you got another intro for the for track 13. Then we go to track 14. Um, Doggy Dog World, uh, Snoop Dogg, The Dog Pound, and The Fabulous Dramatics. <laughs> I thought this song was really dope, man. I mean, the video was so cool. Uh, but I think one of the things that was cool about this song was that, again, Snoop was a guy who grew up like most of us grew up in the 70s and 80s and had parents who played music from the 70s around the house. So, you know, one of the and I, and I said this, you know, on a previous podcast is that one of the great things about this particular era of hip hop was that. A lot of the music that we got reintroduced to was, you know, the the Parliament, the George Clinton, the Isley Brothers, that music that we heard as kids, you know, while our mom and dad were playing cards and whatever, <laughs> you know, having parties at the crib or whatever the case may be. And we were reintroduced to that music through these samples. And so having the dramatics on like I I remember hearing dramatic songs in my house. And then hearing them on a track with Snoop was really, really dope. And, um, you know, that's something that happened 25 years ago, uh, but probably doesn't happen uh, at all in hip hop now. And that's kind of sad. Um, and then you go to another The Classroom uh, intro skit. And then we go to track 16, G's and Hustlers. Um this is my favorite song on the album. The beat, Snoop's flow, I love it. This, hands down, is my favorite song on the album, even to this day. Uh, I love it. I play it all the time, man. Jeez, the Hustlers, you can't go wrong with that. Still hard to this day. Um, then we go to track 17, Checkin'. And then track 18, G's Up, Hose Down. Now, the interesting thing about G's Up, Hose Down is that there was a sample issue. So if depending on when you bought this album, it may or may not be on your album. Like I know like it's on my album here. But when I looked on Spotify, it's not on there. And it was because it was some type of sample issue that couldn't some sample couldn't get cleared. So it does not appear in some streaming services. Um but uh, G's up, holds down, uh, and then the song, uh, excuse me, the album ends track nineteen, pump pump with Lil Malik. Um, so, and that was dope. I, I like that Lil Malik from uh, the group Illegal, uh, Malik and Jamal. Um, yeah, I thought Malik held his own, you know, rhyming with Snoop, and um, that was a pretty good closeout to the album. Um, Again, this album, man, <laughs> it's hard to believe it's been 25 years because I literally remember standing in the line at the record store to cop this album. Uh, and, and again, everybody had it and everybody loved the album. Everybody that I knew who had the album loved the album. Uh, I think it goes without saying that this is Snoop's best work. Um, at least to me, it is. Uh, and. It is mind boggling to me that Calvin Brodus Jr. went from ain't nothing but a G thing, barely looking into the camera, you know, appearing to be very shy to 
creating this masterpiece called Doggy Style. Um, and some 25 years later, he has a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. <laughs> I mean, like, you can make a case that Snoop Dogg is one of the most popular rappers of all time. I won't say he's the most popular, but he's probably one of, if, if you got a top five popular rappers, Snoop Dogg is in that top five. Your, your granny probably knows who Snoop Dogg is. Snoop Dogg has done a TV sh cooking show with Martha Stewart. I mean, I don't know. He's done. He was Snoop Lion at one, <laughs> at one point. He, he was a Jamaican, I guess. I don't know what he was doing. Uh he he did he made a gospel album uh snoop i don't know how many times someone can create recreate themselves but he's a brand um and he's still making music I, I know at one point in time snoop was djing in las vegas and then he did the reality show with his son and his son was playing football i mean snoop he he, he you know coaches youth football and everything like that he's a huge football fan Snoop, it's amazing to see the growth in the 25 years. And, and he's often said, you know, that trial uh, changed everything for him. Being, you know, acquitted, um, he, he knew he had to change his game, and he did. And, um, you know, he left death row, went to, you know, no limit, left no limit, and did his own thing. And, and I mean, Snoop has just been, he, he's been an icon. Uh, but as far as music is concerned, this album is very significant. Again, this was the start of the G-Funk uh, staple. Uh, this was the start of the G-Funk era with this album. Uh, it helped, you know, sustain the West Coast dominance. Uh, it put a lot of rappers on the map. Um, and it did a lot. And I, I remember, I think the source gave them I think the source gave it four and a half mics. Uh, if I had to give this album mics, I'd probably say it's a four and a half. I couldn't give it a five because looking back on it, Snoop does have a lot of guest features on here. I mean, like you, you can't have a five mic album with, you know, all of these songs and somebody is on like every other song. But nonetheless, man, it's a dope album. I would encourage all of you. Uh, if you have not listened to this album in a while, pick it up and listen to it again, man. I mean, you, you'll be able to take something from it. Uh, this album has aged extremely well. Uh, again, once you get past the subject content, you know, and that, if you put yourself in that time capsule, if you were around or if you could come outside in, <laughs> in 1993, you'll understand why Snoop was rhyming about what he was rhyming about and why it sounds with it. But it's still it's still a feel good album. And um, again, I still love playing it, man. And I still play it to this day. Uh, again, Snoop Dogg, Doggy Style, 25 years later. Thank you for listening. Once again, it's your boy, 12 Kyle. I'll catch you guys on the next go round. Five Gs.